Hello, my name is Jimmy, and this is the podcast to fall asleep to. As the title suggests, this podcast is made so that if someone is having trouble falling asleep, it can be some sort of ambient noise, a nice soft voice for them to listen to, to sort of listen to, but also sort of start tuning out so they can just get right to sleep. Uh, I plan to speak for about 20 minutes. I'm recording this on GarageBand, and I think the track will stop recording at 23 minutes. Uh, So that will probably be about the length of this podcast. I intend to speak about many unimportant things, and more importantly, many uninteresting things, because I don't want any of you, dear listeners, to start to feel like whatever I'm talking about is interesting enough that you would rather listen to me to the words and actually absorb them and take them in uh, and really listen. Um, I would much prefer that you just sort of start tuning me out and quickly fall asleep. I had this idea because I often have trouble sleeping, and sometimes one of the things I'll do in those situations is uh, put on a podcast. Usually they're podcasts that if I were listening to them during the daytime, perhaps while I'm driving or just working around the house, I would probably be very interested in, uh, would probably listen to very intently. But when I'm trying to fall asleep, there are certain voices, certain situations that I find to be comfortable background noise. And I hope you find this to be comfortable background noise as well. Um, I'm speaking softly right now. Perhaps in future episodes I will try to uh, arrange both the recording and my own voice to mimic other situations, maybe... Uh, something like a history lecture, hopefully less pauses and whatnot, so I'd sound less like a like an airline pilot when they hold that thing down and have to think about everything they're saying before they say it, sort of doing that William Shatner thing that we we know and love so dear, but not in this situation. This is for a consistently droning, boring voice. That you can just listen to and just go right to right to sleepy town. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. So, this is the podcast. This is me talking about boring and uninteresting things. And what better way to start than books? Now, I love books. I own many books. Uh, and I think they're very important. They contain stories and knowledge and history and wisdom and enjoyment. And there are so many good things that we can get from books. But I think that many of us have had to read books that we didn't want to and that were probably quite boring to us. And so that's why part of the reason why culturally uh, they're often, often considered to be something boring. Books. Books. So I'm sitting in my kitchen right now looking at my bookshelf and I am going to describe it to you because if if books can be boring, which again, 
I think books are lovely, but if books can be boring, how can we get even more boring? Well, how about the storage and containers and housing in which we place our books? So my bookshelf is uh, sort of square. It's a square prism, I suppose. I don't remember my geometrical terminology very well, but it is about uh, probably six foot by six foot, um, and maybe, uh, I don't know, I'm just looking at it right now, maybe a foot deep, maybe 18 inches deep. Um, It's rather deep because actually, uh, so the bookshelf, you probably imagine a bookshelf being sort of a frame with shelves running across it on the inside uh, horizontally. And my bookshelf has that, but my bookshelf also has, um, I don't know if they would be considered shelves because of the way their orientation, but my bookshelf also is divided vertically. So it's basically a big checkerboard. It's five by five squares, uh, 25 squares in the bookshelf. and I, part of the reason it is so deep, it's deep enough to hold two normal size books, um, two, two hardcovers easy, uh, one right in front of the other, um, going into it depth-wise. I don't know if that's the right term, but that's what I'm going to use because I think it makes sense. Uh, because actually the 25 little cubbies that I mentioned earlier, how it's divided into a five-by-five five thing, they uh, go all the way through. There's no back to the shelf, so to speak. Um, and so in my home, it is being used as a room divider between the kitchen and the living room. So I'm sitting at my kitchen table looking at my books and my sister's books because she also lives here and has a lot of books. When we got the bookshelf and decided to use it as a room divider, how we placed our books on it became something to think about because uh, though we both have a lot of books, it's a rather massive bookshelf. Neither of us have enough to fill it entirely, uh, even with our books combined. So what we decided to do was that each of us would take a side And by that, I mean uh, a side, depending on which which way you're looking at it. So, as I said, it's a room divider right now. I'm sitting in the kitchen, and as I look at the bookshelf, all of the books uh, nearest me, the ones whose spines are facing me on this side of the bookshelf, are my books. And all of the books on the other side of the bookshelf that would be nearest a person uh, in the living room are my sister's books. So uh, we divided the bookshelf that way, each of us taking a side. And then we also, because again, we have many books but not enough to fill the entire bookshelf, divided it um, by cubby, so to if that makes sense. So, for example, the top row has five little cubbies that go all the way through. As I'm sitting in the kitchen, the first, third, and fifth cubbies have books with their spines facing me. These are all my books. 
the second and fourth cubbies have books with their pages facing me. These are my sister's books. And if I were to walk into the living room right now, it would be reversed. Where my books would have their pages facing me in the living room in this situation. And my sister's would have their spines facing me or any observer from the living room. Using this alternating checkerboard pattern, we have books uh, filling up or mostly filling up every shelf. So there are no empty holes. The way I have arranged my books is uh, something that sometimes, well, something that I don't think was entirely well thought out. I'm not uh, entirely familiar with the Dewey Decimal System. I'm aware of what it is, and at one point in my life I was probably competent enough to use it to an extent, but uh, those are that is knowledge that I I don't really have anymore. I don't, it's just it's out of my brain. So I tried to arrange my books in a way that made sense to me, but often I'll look at my books and I'll think, why is this book on this shelf? And I'll have to look at all the books around it and think, oh, I guess it sort of categorically would make sense to be here, or maybe not. I'm not very good at it, but it's okay. Generally, when I want to find a book, I can find it without too much difficulty. So I'll start uh, describing the books on my side of the bookshelf. So in my first cubby, which as I'm sitting down in the kitchen, I'm talking about the first cubby being the one to, uh, on the top row, farthest to the left from my viewpoint right now. And that cubby is filled with fiction. Then there is my sister's cubby. And then there is the third cubby, which is also filled with fiction. Two cubbies, both mine, filled to the brim with fiction. Now the fourth cubby has my sister's books, so I'm looking at pages, so I don't know what those books actually are. But it also has a Bluetooth speaker that I bought recently because my old one, which I received in a white elephant exchange, broke. My third cubby contains my children's literature. This is a, quite a limited selection. In fact, it contains only Harry Potter books and Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, which is one of my favorite children's books, second only to every book in the Harry Potter series. Although looking at my Harry Potter books, I notice that books four and five, my favorite and second least favorite, respectively, are not there. That's because they were either borrowed and neglected to be returned, or viciously, heinously, with malice aforethought, stolen from me. I'm not sure which, although I'm pretty sure I lent one to my sister-in-law. I don't entirely remember, though. I've had many books stolen from me in my life. As I said, I have a lot of books. And I had a lot of books when I was in college. 
And for about a year, when I was in college, I lived in a party house. And we had a bookshelf in that house, and my roommates didn't really have any books. So every book on that bookshelf was mine, and that bookshelf was full. And sometimes when we would have parties, drunk people would take a look at the books, maybe start looking at some back covers and reading some descriptions. Sometimes they would ask if they could borrow them. Sometimes they'd just take them. A lot of times when they did ask to borrow them, I never saw them again, the people or the books. Now, I don't condone stealing my books. In fact, I would like everyone in the world to never steal any of my books. However, I'm not getting too upset about it. In fact, I choose to believe that every book that was ever stolen from me has been read and loved and is in a good home right now. I realize how unlikely that is considering the riffraff who stole my books in the first place. Nonetheless, it's what I choose to believe. It is my... I don't know how I would describe it. It's my hope. I hope that all those books are in a good place right now, being read and appreciated, their wisdom spread throughout the world. So, jumping to the next shelf down, uh, the first one is my sister's shelf, so I'm just looking at pages. Uh, but there is also a Howie Kendrick bobblehead, which I don't entirely remember how it got there. I think it was my friend Nate uh, went to a Dodgers game and got that. Or maybe I got that at a Dodgers game. I don't remember. I live very close to Dodgers Stadium and often get really cheap tickets on the Internet. So I go to various Dodgers games, usually when they're giving away free stuff, because, hey, why not? Free stuff. I have a Dodgers beach bag. I have a Dodgers blanket, Dodgers t-shirt. Free stuff, all of it, from Dodgers games. Just going on the right night. It's fun. So the second shelf, the second cubby on the second shelf is mine, and looking at it, it appears to be uh, mostly United States history and other, well, I guess just history. History, biography, social science, perhaps. Uh, I actually achieved a minor in college in United States history, and I think it's a very fascinating subject. And I kept many of the books from, uh, from those studies of mine in college, uh, both for my enjoyment and also as reference works. I will often go through not just those books, but any of my books to find uh, quotes or ideas that I remember reading once upon a time to support uh, thoughts or ideas or any kind of writing that I might be doing at any time. The third, sh- the third cubby on the second shelf is mostly my, is my sister's cubby, so it's pages facing me. 
and also a little bit of overflow from the U.S. history shelf uh, cubby, excuse me, preceding it. The fourth cubby is, looks like, world history and uh, social sciences with some more overflow from the U.S. history cubby. Uh, most of this one is either Europe, looks like mostly during the first half of the 20th century, or China, both modern and ancient. I took a very wonderful class, two very wonderful classes in East Asian history from Dr. Hugh Shapiro at the University of Nevada, my first year as a student there. Um, and I learned a lot of very wonderful things, uh, very, very interesting things that I'm, I'm amazed that through my, my history studies before that, through, during my K through 12 education that I had never learned. Uh, but the history of the Far East is very, very interesting and uh, very rich. Um, if you're interested in history, I suggest you, uh, I suggest you, bone up on your, on your East Asian history. Although not now, because now I hope you're going to sleep. In fact, I hope you're already asleep, because that's what I want: is to help people who are trying to fall asleep fall asleep. Honestly, the more people who listen to my podcast, the better. But the less of the podcast they hear, the bestest. I don't, I didn't know which word to use to make that work after the better. Uh, because ideally, I start talking and it's so boring that you just fall asleep and you don't even hear what I'm talking about this far. And if you are listening to what I'm talking about this far, it's okay. You'll fall asleep eventually. It'll be fine. But until then, I guess I better keep talking. The fifth cubby then is, again, pages. That is my sister's cubby. Uh, so the third shelf down, this is now the middle shelf on the entire shelf, is mine. The first cubby is mine, and it looks like it starts with poetry. Uh, some French poetry, some American poetry, I believe that's some English poetry. Oh, and it is also uh, plays after that. I have a few different... Um, different scripts for plays on there uh, from various times, some of which I've performed in, some of which I've just read and enjoyed. I haven't performed on stage since high school, but when I was in high school, I performed in many different plays, and I kept on, kept a hold on all of those scripts um, with all of my notes in them and, uh, you know, any highlighting or anything I had done. Let's see, the second cubby on that third shelf is my sister's, so it's just pages looking at me. And the third cubby on the third shelf, the exact middle of it, is mine. And it looks like this is mostly philosophy. Uh, let's see, philosophy and science, I would say, because there's 
some Stephen Hawking, uh, Albert Einstein, and also Sartre, Aristotle, Aziz Ansari, Roland Barthes. Yeah, there's some good stuff. There's more than that. There's some good stuff. It's uh, it's nighttime, and I don't have a lot of lights on, so I'm not trying to read all of these spines on these books to describe. Uh, but those are some of them. The fourth cubby is my sister's. Uh, the fifth cubby is mine, and this is mostly screenwriting or other movie-making books. Um, Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew is up there. Oh, actually, I also put up a, a, an essential oil diffuser, uh, which I've been in which I've been putting lavender oil because a couple weeks ago I found a silverfish, which if you're not familiar with silverfish, it's a small bug that sort of looks like a pincher bug, uh, except the front of it is a bit fatter. And from what I looked on the internet, they don't really do a lot of damage, except potentially to the, my many books, the ones that have uh, not been stolen at least. Um, uh, all right, to me that was very funny but I don't think that would be funny to any listener so I, I dodged a bullet there but generally I should refrain from making jokes in this situation because if you're trying to fall asleep laughing isn't uh, probably isn't in your best interest anyway I found a silverfish uh, which I immediately killed and looked online to see what to do to get rid of the silverfish. And one of the things that it said uh, on the internet was that they don't like the smell of lavender. So I have this essential oil diffuser and a little bottle of lavender essential oil next to it. And uh, every day when I can, when I think of it, I put some in there. Hopefully just getting that scent of lavender around, getting those silverfish out of my house. Because fuck those silverfish. That's how I really feel. And it looks like that is going to be about as long as GarageBand will let me make a track. So I am going to end it here. I really hope that nobody's listening to this uh, because you've already fallen asleep. Probably nobody's listening to this because nobody's listened to any of this. But if you have listened to it, I hope you're asleep by now. And if you're not, hey, maybe start it over. Or figure something out. I don't know. You're an adult. Figure it out. You'll be okay. So, I'll see you next time I see you. Hope you have some sweet dreams. Good night.